Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am your host, Gary Gramling. We have more free agency, NFL hot stove stuff to get through. We're going to talk some Cowboys, some Patriots. Those are two teams you might have heard of. Uh, We're going to talk about the Vikings secondary, some of the quarterbacks who are not literally available at the moment, but very well might be uh, once we sort of get going with the player movement. And we will have the lightningish round again. And I am ever so thankful to be joined by a very special guest. And that guest is Andy Benoit. Andy, how are you? Hey, Gary. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, hanging in. You might uh, you might tell there about my my voice is uh, a little bit a little bit strained, a little bit frazzled. The end of a long season uh, um, probably sounds a little bit lower too. I don't have my usual uh, androgynous quality to uh, to my voice, but um, I'm gonna hang in there. We're gonna get through the show. Well, and your courage is is uplifting. <laughs> it really is. Uh, I'm gonna write a book about it afterwards. The time I podcasted with a slightly sore throat. All right, let's uh, let's start this. Let's start with Dallas. Um, I don't I don't want to get into Dak that much. I mean, Dak is going to be there whether they franchise tag him 
or they get a long-term deal done or some combination of the two is what I guess. Uh, the three guys I want to talk to you about, unless you want to throw out there that Dak is is gone and they're going to like get Brett Favre out of retirement, and you can throw out all the takes you want because they, they do really well traffic-wise. Um, Amari Cooper, Byron Jones, Robert Quinn. I'm guessing between Amari and Byron, they could keep one of them, and it seems like Amari is the guy they're going to keep. Well, I think a lot of teams would probably choose to keep a cornerback like Byron Jones if you just took a poll across the league. Mm-hmm. And I know Dallas is not thought of as a man-to-man defense, and, and we'll see what they'll be moving forward now that they've had some coaching adjustments. But, uh, you know, quality corners, you can't, you can't find them as easily as a wide receiver for the reason that you can manufacture production for a wide receiver. That can be a function of your scheme to some degree. So there's there's that consideration. And then, you know, Amari Cooper late in the season, Gary, he was taken off the field in their biggest moment of the season or some of their bigger, bigger moments. So you just wonder a little bit about that. True number one receiver being taken off the field. What was behind that? You know, I'm a little surprised that that's how they would go with this. But when Amari Cooper's at his best, he is nearly impossible to guard, especially at the intermediate levels. I was going to say, I guess there's something to be said for if you are going to keep Dak, which, again, they they are going to keep Dak. uh, That seems to be the guy that sort of led to the... The turnaround, I mean, if, if you're going to build around Dak, you, you want to get the right pieces, and he seems to be, for the most part, one of the right pieces. Well, yeah, sure, and I know they will tell you that having an, they believe Cooper's the number one receiver. That changed their offense night and day when he first arrived there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's two parts to being a number one receiver. Your side has to believe it, and your opponent has to believe it in the way they defend you. I that's going to vary from opponent to opponent. Cooper, here's what he is, though, Gary. He's a movable chess piece. He can play the backside of a, in, in trips if you want. So he can be that ex-ISO receiver we talk about. They mm-hmm. don't use him that way a whole lot because that's what Michael Gallup does for them. The other thing he can do that not everyone can do is be the, the motion guy, the Z receiver. And that gives him a lot of flexibility schematically. And I think Kellen Moore is a coordinator who's done a good job maximizing that flexibility. Again, we also have to remember this time of year how you view the draft and especially the depth of the draft and the mid-round depth of the draft. That can also impact some of these decisions. And I'm not up on the draft to that degree yet. So I don't know. Maybe Dallas sees something in the cornerback market that that others are that, that I might not see. Well, they they have invested in cornerbacks in the draft, and and I should note it is it's a it's considered a very strong receiver class coming out here for uh, for the twenty twenty draft. But uh, just in recent years, I mean, they've uh, you know they've spent a lot of sort of day two picks on cornerbacks uh, and built up what seemed to be pretty good depth in the uh, in the secondary as far as the cornerbacks go. Um, but Byron Jones, I mean, Byron Jones is a true number one. I I just. Uh, um, I guess, uh, you know, uh, from from one standpoint, it's kind of like good for him. He's going to hit the market uh, or potentially hit the open market as a uh, as a premium player at a premium position, and, and it's just going to get enormous amounts of money. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it really does feel like at a reactionary position, that's a much more difficult guy to replace. I'm kind of with you on that, Andy. Yeah, and uh... – I think I think most teams he'll fit any scheme, but most teams that are doing their homework would view him more as a man-to-man or matchup, certainly a matchup defender 
than he is a zone defender. And what about Robert Quinn? Uh, I mean, look, he he had that renaissance last year. I mean, that that was probably that might have been as good as he ever was. Uh, well, not his, not counting the St. Louis years. Yeah, I I I was his his second season. I think it was the second or third 2013-2014 in St. Louis. There, he was the most explosive, flexible pass rusher in the NFL for a little while. All right, I'll back off my take then. Very, very good compared to the last, uh, the previous like four or five years he he had. But uh, it was something of a renaissance here. Uh, I mean, look, you kind of look around the league. You, when you see guys like Cameron Wake, I know Cameron Wake was was out of the lineup for the Titans for a little bit. But when he was healthy, I mean, he was still very effective. Some of these edge rushers are really, we talked about this last offseason, they're really aging well. Uh, a guy like Quinn... I, I mean, I don't know. Did, does someone else swoop in and offer him a uh, a long-term deal here? Does he just fit better with what the Cowboys do? Well, he certainly fits what they do because he's a pure up-the-field pass rusher. He, he's not a read-and-react player so much as he is an attack-oriented player. So what Dallas has been doing, that 4-3 straightforward execution-based scheme where we're going to be a little bit simpler, but we're going to play fast. Now, that's not what Mike Nolan will necessarily do, their new D coordinator, but for what Dallas had been doing with Quinn, that was a perfect schematic fit there. And Quinn, to his credit, he got... I mean, he's been in that kind of scheme before and has been up and down and kind of disappeared at times. He got a lot better last year. He was truly dynamic, and he was better than his stats indicate, too. Yeah, I, I wonder if uh, if he's a guy who's going to sort of sneak out of there. And look, they're, they're still really good up front. Um, you still have a, an absolute game-changing guy in Demarcus Lawrence, but um, they don't they don't have a ton of defensive end depth though, with because Michael yeah. Bennett's a free agent. You know, Kerry Hyder isn't a big role play. It doesn't have a big role for them, but he's a free agent. Tyrone Crawford might be a cap cut. He's not a true edge guy anyway. If if they lost Quinn, defensive end becomes an an immediate, borderline glaring need for them. Man, I I think I think they keep Amari here, but uh, they're also. And I know you can't think like this, uh, and and this is a bit of an overstatement, but it's a bit of, you know, you're, you're pot committed a little bit when you've traded a first-round pick for Amari Cooper, and you don't want to let him walk after a year and a half. And and this is not, you know, I, Amari Cooper's still a good player. This isn't a case of them uh, stubbornly sticking with a guy who can't play, but uh, if you're just looking at this in a vacuum, uh, I, I, I'd much rather, I think I'd much rather keep Byron Jones uh, certainly over Amari, and, and if you're also factoring Robert Quinn there, uh, and then take your chances in a really good receiver class in this draft than uh, uh, th- making that investment in Amari Cooper. But, nah. Let, let me ask you something also. Why, why are we not talking about Malik Collins? He's also a free agent for Dallas, a defensive tackle. Do you, want, do you want to put him in this? Uh, I, I didn't think he was quite on this tier with the uh, rest of the Cowboys. Well, I, you know, I think if, if it's between re-signing Quinn and re-signing Collins, I would imagine they would go with Malik Collins over Quinn if they could pick just one. Well, much younger. He is much younger. I think he's also almost just as valuable. When he's on, which is more often yeah. than not. It's not always, but it's more often than not. He's just as valuable as Robert Quinn. Malik Collins can play both defensive tackle spots. 
I imagine he would be a little bit schematically flexible. He's been in an up-the-field scheme his whole career in Dallas, but his skill set suggests to me he could do a few. He's not a two-gap Lawrence guy type plugger, but his skill set I think you can do a little bit more with when, besides just having him penetrate every down. All right. So throw him in there. Another uh, uh, another difficult decision here for the Cowboys to make. And that, uh, you know, once you get Dak in there, I mean, you 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 lose that cap space fast. It shrinks fast. Um, let's stay on the defensive side of the ball here. I, I want to talk about the Vikings because I, I have a lot of sleepless nights thinking about the Vikings and wondering if they just didn't quite uh, – Get it, get all the pieces in place in time for this window to stay open uh, with what they have defensively. I, I guess I'm just specifically looking at the secondary where you now have, uh, you know, Xavier Rhodes. I, I, I think he's going to be a cap casualty. I know it is now uh, 2019 Pro Bowl or Xavier Rhodes, but um, he is, you know, he's just not the player he was a couple of years ago. Uh, on top of that, you have Trey Wayne. You had Anthony Harris just came out of nowhere and had that breakout season and you wonder considering what the safeties got on the open market last year as opposed to the previous offseason when no one was playing safeties uh if someone's just going to come in and, and scoop up anthony harris on a pretty big deal but uh you know that they're they're in that uh you know this will be year three coming up that Kirk cousins contract uh the offensive line still hasn't gotten quite right and you wonder if they are now positioned uh, to kind of slide back defensively with with the with the you know their cap strapped and and with the guys that they're trying to keep. Yeah, because according to overthecap.com, the Vikings at this point are about eleven million over the cap already. I mean, they, yeah. they, so they have to make some tough decisions. Uh, Xavier Rhodes will absolutely be a cap casualty. He fell out of the lineup at times last year. He he has a big expensive contract. They have depth behind him. You know, there's a reason they drafted Mike Hughes in the first round back in 2018. So that's the direction they'll go. It'll be interesting to see if they find a way to keep Mackenzie Alexander at the slot corner. I would imagine they'd want to. But again, they don't have a lot of flexibility here. Anthony Harris is probably another guy who's going to slip away for the reason that you kind of outlined. Someone's going to offer him a lot of money. He had a very he had a very good season a year ago. I think he's at his best in that system there. And they were well coached. Yeah. They've been in that scheme for several. I mean, all those guys have been together five or six years. So you have to, if I'm a team evaluating Viking free agent defensive backs, I do take that into consideration. Now, most teams happen to believe, Gary, hey, he's going to be as good for us because we've got good coaches too. No no team sits there and thinks that, well, we're not as schematically gifted as some of these other teams. They all think they're the best. So that's not going to be true necessarily, but that's how they're going to view it. So Harris will get offered a lot of money most likely, and then it remains to be seen if he can do somewhere else what he's done in Minnesota. He was a real ball hawk last year. And then you got they, they have a decision on Everson Griffin as well. Who uh, you know, getting up there? Uh, he he had a nice season last year, um, but again, another one of those edge rushers. You, you just kind of wonder will will he age better than some of these guys at other positions here? But uh, considering where they are in cap situation, he could be a guy they move on from as well. And it might depend on how they feel about Afedi Odenigbo, their backup. He kind of played defensive tackle and defensive end for him, number 95, if, you, if you're if you watching Viking games. I looked him up all year long because I, I didn't know who he was. He kept showing up on film again and again. And my rule of thumb, if you don't know the guy right away when you're watching on film, you stop and look him up every time. It, probably around December, I, I started remembering him because I'd looked him up four or five times a game. Mm-hmm. He kept flashing and flashing. So... 
it, what happens with Griffin, and remember their playoff game plan against Minnesota, a big part of it was moving Griffin and Daniil Hunter to defensive tackle. That's yep. So he's the key to their pass rush. He and Hunter, those two guys. And you take one of them out, it's not the same pass rush. What they decide to do with Griffin, who's expensive, it could be a function of whether they believe Odenigbo, who's not quite as athletically dynamic as Griffin, but if they believe he can be Odenigbo, if he can be an every down or close to every down type of player for them. And I don't know the answer to that. Only they would know the answer right now. Yeah. These are, uh, this is a dangerous time for the Vikings. See what, uh, what they come out with at the end of this offseason. Uh, let's talk about the Patriots a little bit, because obviously we have uh, we have talked about the quarterback there, Tom Brady. Um, and if, if people haven't heard, he is a free agent right now, and and maybe he'll sign somewhere else. But um, obviously, one of the big reasons for Brady staying here that the weapons weren't great. Maybe the weapons get better this year on the offensive side of the ball. But you know, last year they were uh, they were the three seed in the AFC. Had they beaten the Dolphins uh, in Week 17, they would have been a, a first round bye team, and that was based largely on what the defense did. Now they have a a, a couple of veteran free agents here: Kyle Van Noy, Devin McCourty, and Jamie Collins. Um, all pretty key guys in what they do. It, it's such an aging defense, though. Um, you know, do they, uh, I, I know they, they want to keep all these guys. I don't even know if it makes sense for any of these guys to move on to a, to a different program at this point in, in their careers. But, um, do you see any of those three guys as, as relatively expendable if they have to move on from one? I think McCourty's probably the least expendable of those guys, even though if you ask me, I, a lot of times I felt like Kyle Van Noy might be their best player other than Stefan Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Um, but Van Noy can do a lot of different things in their scheme, but the, the other guys have been able to do a lot of different things as well up front. I think it's harder to find a guy on the back end who can do as much as McCourty does. They are largely, though, Gary, they're largely a man-to-man based defense. So they might feel like, well, we can just find an athlete to plug in there and we don't need him to be a savvy veteran like McCourty. He can be a cheap, young, athletic player because we just tell him, hey, you got that guy. I don't think they'll go that way because even though they're a man-to-man based defense, you can kind of get away with playing that way at cornerback a little bit. The way they use their safeties in New England, though, it's, it's harder to do that. Part, part of what's made them so good is they are diverse at that position. So it really comes down to the, a function of where do we feel our versatility is most valuable schematically because Collins and Van Noy give as much versatility individually to that front seven as mm-hmm. McCourty does to the back end. So where do we prioritize and history suggests they probably it's hard to say because they re-signed Dante Hightower and they and they signed Stefan Gilmore so two of their most expensive guys one's up front one's on the back end I don't know who they would feel like they have to replace and it probably gets back to the thing that I feel we're going to be relying on a lot which is what do they think of the draft class one thing to keep in mind they drafted Chase Winovich in the third round a year ago mm-hmm. he started playing a little well, he didn't he, there were mo- he, like this is true with every patriot there were games where he played a lot more and he started thinking he's getting a bigger role he never quite did but i thought he was a pretty he's another guy who stood out on film down the stretch last season so you're not taking a guy in the third round with the plans of him playing 15 snaps a game in a sub package role which is basically what Winovich did last year which leads me to believe they might view Van Noy as the more expendable of their guys. 
and then it becomes a function of Hightower, excuse me, Collins versus McCourty. I mean, I'm, I'm spitballing here. It's hard to say. The other guy is a free agent for him is Danny Shelton, who mm-hmm. was really good. And he looked like the first-round talent that the Browns thought they were getting when they drafted him a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, the tricky thing coming up with the Patriots, too, is, you know, they they, they traded their second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu, so uh, they'll pick at 23, but then you don't pick again until 87, so can you really count on, uh, for a team that is obviously in win-now mode, uh, can you really count on getting a, a second immediate contributor in this draft? I'd, I don't know if you can when you're, when you're dropping all the way that far, but... Um, well, if, let's let's also wonder this, and I don't know if it can work this way because they, they probably have to make these decisions faster than this. And my guess is Brady's not going to sign on the first day of free agency. I think mm-hmm. he'll play it out a little bit. Um, but if they knew that Tom Brady would not be back hypothetically, would they still be in win-now mode? I would, I would think if they knew that, they'd be more inclined to let those older veterans we're talking about get away. I think that makes sense. I mean, look, if Brady is not coming back, I I, I think you're probably uh, sliding back and, and thinking about a year or two from now with, with when you're going to compete for a championship again. Uh, I, I don't know. If you if you bring in an Andy Dalton or something, can you sort of say, well, we, we, we'll still have a, you know, a, a, a league average offense, and if the defense is really, really good again um, – I guess the the thing that I wonder about with that defense is uh, I I think they're potentially great again if they bring all the guys back. I don't know if they they are as sort of historically great as scoring that many touchdowns and forcing that many turnovers. I don't know if that is repeatable. I would agree with that. And some of those, it was an opportunistic defense in the first half of last season. I never felt like I was watching an all-time defense. I was watching a tremendous one, of course. We'll have to see. Part of me wants to see Brady go just because I would love to see New England be in win-now mode without Tom Brady. Yeah, it would be interesting. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities, 
and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, well, let's let's talk about a couple other quarterbacks here. We talked about the guys last week who are hitting free agency, who we know will be on uh, uh, on the market unless they sign before free agency starts. But um, three guys who might end up out there. Let's let's start with Derek Carr. Uh, I'm kind of curious what what your thoughts are on Derek Carr at this point. Uh, they were. I mean, look, they they were a little bit limited with their weaponry last year. Uh, I thought he made a lot more second reaction plays. I, I I thought he had one of his better years. I do think he tailed off in maybe the last month of the season. But uh, the whispers are are loud and and from we're, from what we're hearing in our offices, quite legitimate that the Raiders are are truly interested in going and getting Tom Brady. Which uh, in that case, Derek Carr becomes you know trade bait at that point. Uh, is do you see him as a guy who's potentially top end? Do you see him as sort of a, a flawed mid-level starter at this point? Well, he's he's probably been more of a mid-level guy than top end guy in recent years. He can certainly make any throw you want, and he, for the most part, reads the field very well, including in the red zone. He's more of a cautious quarterback, just stylistically. The quicker the ball is coming out of his hands, the more comfortable he is. Incidentally, that's the way Tom Brady would be as well if they do go get Brady. Um, so, you know, Carr is going to be a little bit of a function of the scheme around him. He, he needs the right circumstances, as most quarterbacks would. My guess, I, I don't, and I do not know John Gruden. I've, I met him one time 10 years ago. There's no way he'd remember it. Um, we certainly didn't talk X's and O's that day. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. My guess, though, knowing all the people around Gruden and seeing the way he acts and some of the stuff he says publicly, he wants a quarterback who's going to be aggressive and is going to take some chances with the football. And that really isn't Derek Carr's game necessarily. Let's uh, let's talk Cam Newton here, and obviously the the big question with Newton is uh, is he uh, you know he'll never be probably one hundred percent like he was in in twenty fifteen, but you know is he ninety percent healthy? Is he ninety percent of what he was health wise? And therefore, uh, I just think back to the first half of that twenty eighteen season in the Norv Turner offense, and the fact that the Panthers really did look good, and then Newton, uh, between the shoulder problems and and, and some other issues there, uh, really fell off, and then we only saw him for basically two games last year, and he was clearly, uh, I mean, he, he hurt his foot in the preseason game that he started, and he clearly was was nowhere near healthy enough to be on the field at that point. Um what's your gut feeling on Cam Newton? Can can he, not the 2015 MVP guy, but can he be the first half of the 2018 season, uh, really good starter type of guy? Well, I think there are two complications to that question. One is Cam Newton, a lot of his value is what he presented to your running game and forcing you to have to defend the quarterback on quarterback design runs, similar to what Lamar Jackson does for Baltimore, different types of runners, but that's the value is is he gives you an extra dimension to the running game and that can help everything else you do. Whoever has him next, and if it's Carolina, that's fine, whatever it is. Are you running the ball with Newton the same amount given his injury history? And I know he hasn't been hurt running the ball, but... Let's just keep it simple. Quarterback, shoulder problem, over 30 years old. Are you really running the ball with that guy? Then the other complication is his throwing style, the way he delivers, he puts a lot of stress on his upper body, including his shoulders. He's not a mm-hmm. full-body thrower. It's, it's His lower body and upper body do not always operate in conjunction together, which is part of the reason he's always been erratic sometimes. So uh, he'll miss a few throws every game. He'll make a lot that, that other guys can't make, and that's been his game, and it mostly works for him. But... That's what he is. So a guy who puts a lot of stress on his shoulder, his mysteriously kind of chronically injured shoulder from what it sounds like, and he's a little bit reliant on running or his values in running, that's going to be hard for a team to take a big gamble on. And how about uh, how about Andy Dalton here? We expect the Bengals to take a quarterback with the number one overall pick. Uh, I guess if it's Tua and, and you want to take it easy with him and, and – and ease him in. Maybe they keep Dalton as a bridge guy there, but um, the Bengals have sort of signaled that they will do, uh, you know, if Andy Dalton wants out of there, uh, they will do right by him and, and try and find a place for him. Is he a is he a starter elsewhere? I guess that's my question. Is he uh, someone you could look at and plug in and say like, okay, now, now we have a, uh, you know, our, our sort of fringe playoff team now has uh, solidified our quarterback position? Well, he thinks he's a starter because when he got benched for Ryan Finley last year, he basically said publicly, yeah, we're looking, I'm going to see if I can get traded to somewhere where I can start. That's in the middle of the Mm -hmm. season that he said that. So I imagine he believes he's a starter. The way the league is set up this year with all the QBs who are available and the number of good young quarterbacks around the NFL and the recently high-drafted guys, I don't know if there's enough spots for him. It's the unusual scenario, and there's, there are never as many quarter good – they're not going to be 32 good quality quarterbacks in the NFL. That's, it will never be that way. But there will be 32 teams this year who believe they have one of the good quality quarterbacks. We'll see how it shakes out. 
that's unusual right there. You don't have as many teams with options and comfort at that position mm-hmm. as typical. I would imagine Dalton's best bet is to embrace being a backup somewhere for a year or two and, and then go that way. That's, that's his most realistic business decision bet anyway. And I want to ask you about one more guy. We did talk about him a little bit last week, but then uh, he really uh, became a big part of the news cycle in the past week. Uh, uh, Jenny and Connor talked about him on the weak side podcast quite a bit, but uh, we're all kind of scratching our heads around the office wondering about Taysom Hill, and is there any legitimacy to Taysom Hill as, uh, you know, he phrased it as franchise quarterback. I, I think that's a, uh, that that's he used kind of a nebulous definition. I don't think anyone's looking at him and saying like, well, here's here's a guy for the next 10 years, but um, when it comes down to it, this is a, this is a uh, a 29-year-old guy. He'll be 30 uh, before the season starts. Uh, he's been used strictly as sort of a gadget uh, type of guy in the NFL. Uh, Sean Payton has sort of thrown out like, here's, you know, that this guy's Steve Young, I think is what he said at one point. Um, it, it's it's suddenly there's there seems to be this momentum out of nowhere for Taysom Hill as someone's starting quarterback in the next year or two. And, uh does it feel legitimate or does it feel uh i don't know as as some might say ridiculous as it sounds <laughs> well Taysom Hill in his career has attempted attempted 13 NFL passes now they've all been in the last 2 years but mm-hmm. in my mind that's not very many passes for a, a starting quarterback <laughs> in the NFL so if I'm the Saint, look, I think this is simple. If I'm the Saints, I, I I am doing what I've been doing the last several years. I'm living in the here and now, and I'm going all in on this season. I'm getting Drew Brees back. I want Taysom Hill back because he's a guy who plays half our snaps as a big part of our offense. This quarterback is he is he not? I look for that later. So I would I would sign and look maybe if somebody else believes that I guess what so he's a restricted free agent, correct, Gary? Yeah. So yep. you sign him for the first round tender, and does somebody go after him and give up a first round pick for him? I get why you were. I get why we're having the conversation. If I'm the Saints, I'm going all in on this season, believing Taysom Hill is a utility gadget player. But you know, Sean Payton knows more than we do, and and not just knows more about football than we do, but he knows what what's really going on with Taysom Hill. He mm-hmm. sees him every day. So what do we make of Sean Payton saying publicly that that's how he feels about the guy? You'd almost have to go back through uh, Sean Payton's history and how much of it's gamesmanship. Has he he kind of done the Lou Holtz thing where he says the most positive thing he can say about somebody out there on a public platform? Or is he more of a Mike Zimmer type where it's just brutal honesty? We'd have to go track Payton's history because it's really about what do we make of him saying that about Hill he could be trying to incentivize another team to come make that trade or make that acquisition yeah. and give the Saints some, some, you know, I mean, Peyton has a lot of reasons to say that. That's the theory along the, uh, you know, along the lines of the MMQB offices the, these days, but um, he was wild. There was a lot of wild uh, Taysom Hill talk in the past week. A uh, couple more defensive guys before we move on to the lightning-ish round. Uh, let's start with Jadavian Clowney. Uh some always somewhat of a polarizing guy just because of the the injury history and the uh let's say inconsistent value in the pass rush but uh obviously you know they they loved him in Seattle uh, I'm I'm sure they they'd like to have him back uh, at least at the right price but 
Uh, do you break the bank for Jadavian Clowney? Someone will. Uh, somebody will. It would depend on my scheme, if you're asking. It depends on my scheme and my salary cap situation. He's not an edge bender. He's not Robert Quinn. In fact, you could say Clowney and Quinn are opposites. Quinn is purely an edge bending type of pass rusher. Clowney mm-hmm. is a stiff north and south mover, but he's not going to go east and west or northeast and southeast. He's not going to do that very comfortably. He is so explosive and dynamic, though, that anytime you can get him in one direction movement, including if he's working down the line of scrimmage aggressively, he has the chance to wreck any play where he's doing that. Clowney's a safer, just if we're going to style a player, and where they are in their careers, Clowney's probably a little bit safer than Quinn because he can do more on, on a variety of downs. They both have their questions, though, and as you said, Clowney with the injury history, you do wonder about that. He was effective at times this year, though, playing at less than 100% for whatever that's worth. And uh, and two guys here who were released, or at least uh, announced they would be released in the past week. Uh, one is Tony Jefferson for the Ravens, and and I do understand it from the standpoint of uh, obviously they they signed Earl Thomas, and now they have invested in Chuck Clark uh, in a multi year deal, and and you got two uh, pretty good safeties there, and and I guess they have decided that they just don't necessarily need three, but Tony Jefferson is still a still a really good player. If he's healthy, yes, absolutely. He's still, uh, he's in his 20s, his late 20s. He's a smart player. He can match up in a variety of coverages, both straight man-to-man against a tight end or out of zone. Uh, he, he's at his best when he's attacking the box. In fact, I thought a couple of years ago next to Landon Collins, and I, I told Tony Jefferson this, I thought he was the best attacking free or safety in the NFL as an unblocked defender. And a lot of times as a strong safety, you are the unblocked defender. Uh, he he's extremely good in that sense. So if, if you feel that he's healthy, he's had some knee history, knee injury history, including lately. Mm-hmm. It, and we don't know the status of that. Baltimore does. They chose to keep Chuck Clark. But if if Jefferson's healthy, he's going to be good value for someone. And one thing he's done, Gary, he's often bet on himself. He came out of college early despite the knee trouble, and he went undrafted, and so he kind of paid a little bit of a price there, but then he worked out really well for him because he became a free agent, a high-priced free agent, once his rookie deal expired, and he bet on himself again there by taking a shorter contract. I think it was a four-year deal that he took a couple years ago. So he's going to gamble on himself, which means I bet you could lure him with a one-year contract. And uh, and Josh Norman and and look, Josh Norman did did not play up to Josh Norman's standards uh, last year. I, I I guess the question is, are we overreacting to his decline because he was Josh Norman for a time, and and now he's uh, he's not nearly at that level? Is this still a serviceable, maybe even number two or three corner, or is I mean, are we looking at sort of a, a almost like a late career Darrell Revis type of situation where it's like it, you know, the name value is there, but uh, he's really not going to help you at this point. Well, Revis was always, as he will remind you, he was a great man-to-man corner. <laughs> You're more dependent on your physical skill set as a man-to-man mm-hmm. corner. Look at Richard Sherman, who matches up a lot, but Richard Sherman's brilliance is that he keeps his eyes on the quarterback, even when he's playing man coverage a lot of the time. So Sherman's a read-and-react, spatial reasoning type of guy, and he's had an, uh, a, a brilliant second act in San Francisco stylistically Norman is more in the Richard Sherman category than the Revis Mm -hmm. category now I don't know if if Norman has I think Norman's a smart player I think Sherman's as smart as any corner we've seen 
I don't know if Norman is quite of that caliber. He might be. I, I, I'm not with him. I don't know. But that's that's the kind of player he is. So he's probably worth taking a flyer on. But you do have to understand that he, yeah, he has not been an elite corner the last couple of seasons. Yeah, it just felt like when he got beat a lot of times last year, it was um, by last year it was sort of happening uh, in a variety of ways. But uh, a lot of times it almost looks like he's freelancing on a coverage, uh, and and you know I, I can't say it for sure, but. Uh, it almost looks like he is taking a gamble, trying to read something there with the offense and just sort of, uh, you know, just just let someone run behind him. Well, and a guy like that, you'd want him to be in a, a scheme with a good pass rush then. And sometimes a blitz-oriented scheme can work with those kind of players because when yeah. you blitz, the ball, you're assuming the ball comes out quickly in response to the blitz. So gambling aggressive corners, they can help you out. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. All right. We'll see where uh, where those guys land. But uh, it is now time for the lightningish round, the fastest three hours in sports. Uh, we got ten more, ten more free agents here to go through. Andy, it's actually eleven. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lump the last two together because they're kind of similar, at least in my mind. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll go to. I'll give you the name. You give me. Uh, just give me a take. Okay. We'll just leave it at that. Um, we're starting with uh, one of my favorites, Brashad Perriman. Uh, one, because it's been a nice second act for him after, you know, he, he was obviously a disappointment as a first-round pick in Baltimore. Um, I just thought it was neat last year. I mean, look, he signed with the Browns, or he I should say he agreed to a deal with the Browns. Then the Browns go and get o- Odell Beckham Jr., and he says, well, I don't want to be here as, you know, a, your sixth receiver or whatever. And then he goes and sides <laughs> with the Bucks. And they don't really need him until late in the season when their when their receivers get injured. And then he has this this monster finish to the year. And obviously, we know the guy can run. Um, I, I don't know. Is, is he a sort of a, a let's say Deshaun Jackson type uh, number two receiver deep threat for someone? I don't know if he's quite that kind of guy. I think he's a quality number two in the right scenario. Boy, I didn't realize how productive he was in the yeah, 645 yards receiving on the season. And it appears that 629 of them came in the second half of the season. He yeah. That's that's pretty remarkable. So that's it now a, a year and a half that he's done that. One, one and a half seasons, he has been a top-shelf starting caliber producing type wide receiver my guess is he's a type of guy that you want to have a good coach around a smart quarterback a good system all of that so if you plug him into the right situation he could probably help you out quite a bit the other guy in san francisco eric armstead on that uh, on that front four uh two-part question number one uh how devastating is it if he gets away from from the 49ers and number two is anyone looking at this this guy and saying like okay this is this is sort of our top guy in our front four if we bring this guy in well someone will look at him that way because he has his physical traits are off the charts that's why he was the first round pick and he's it's he's gonna be a marquee free agent to somebody I think it'll be hard for the Niners to find a way to get him back I'm sure they want to and I'm sure they'll give it all they have and maybe they'll get it figured out there will also be teams who say, you know, Eric Armstead, a nice player, and we realize he changed schemes. He's been in different systems in San Francisco because of the coaching changes. Where was his productivity before his contract year? There will be some teams that want to answer that question. I imagine most teams will be comfortable thinking that they're going to get 
the Eric Armstead of 2019. They're going to get that guy in 2020. So we'll see. That'll be an interesting one, though. And it's probably a better question for a cap guy at this point, Gary, because the Niners, it's a matter of finances now. Uh, Dante Fowler, sort of, uh, again, another high first-round pick. Obviously didn't work out in Jacksonville and and had something of a uh, of a nice run in, uh, in L.A. with the Rams. Yeah, he did a very nice job, I thought. He was a weak side player for them last year. Clay Matthews played the strong side. Fowler played the weak side. He's every bit as effective against the run as he is against the pass. And if I were him, I'd look for the right type. If I, if, if I, unless I'm getting the big time money, because I would, if I'm him, I believe in myself. I think I can be productive for five or six more years. The right type of situation could be really important for him. He's been paid a lot of money over the years, so you know, relative to his production, he's been well compensated. So he might be able to look at this in a more holistic light. I'm not suggesting that it's easy for me to sit and say I'll take less money, but the situation in the scheme fit with Fowler could be a big one. He was he was very good though on the weak side for the Rams last year. Uh, Anthony Costanzo is sort of a. Um, you know, obviously a valuable valuable piece on the Colts' offensive line. Uh, is is he uh is is he a top end type of left tackle? Is he in sort of the Nate Solder class? Is as sort of a guy who once he's comfortable in the system, he's all right. Uh, is he a guy you chase if you need help uh, at tackle? Yeah, he you, know, you chase him. I. I strongly considered him for my first team all pro vote at left tackle last year. I thought he was that good last season. Mm-hmm. So and if I'm Indianapolis, I'm, I'm really pining to get him back. I'm looking at the Col- Colts are second in cap space. They have a ton of money available right now. Yeah. I, I, if I'm Indianapolis, I'm doing everything I can to get him back. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, is is he a guy who, I mean, he's a guy who the Patriots were interested in in the past. Uh, obviously the 49ers went and got him and he did a nice job for them. Uh, probably not a I don't know is it fair to say not a true number one but uh sort of a nice uh if you have a good system and uh he's your top receiver you you probably have a pretty good passing offense yeah I think that's exactly the way to put it. it's very well stated and that's what he was in San Francisco he's a very good starting he's a very very good starting receiver in a in a nice scheme Jimmy Smith uh, the, the Ravens went out and they got Marcus Peters and then they signed him to an extension. Um, I don't know. Do, do they retain Jimmy Smith? Do they, uh, is he someone who gets away? Uh, I mean, look, he, he's been a little bit up and down in his Ravens career. Would they, would, would they, I mean, I'm sure they'd love to have him back, but, but would they mind that badly if he got away? Well, they drafted Anthony Averett in the fourth round in Baltimore in 2018, and he's been uh, their top bottom-of-the-bench guy. And then Iman Marshall, who didn't play much, if at all, last year. He was a fourth-round pick in 2019. So they've kind of been investing in that position. Now, that's an important enough position that you could actually take mid-round picks like that with the idea of them becoming quality long-term backups. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're looking to replace Jimmy Smith with those guys. But um, corner is a hugely important position for the Ravens. They still have a lot of needs personnel-wise along their front seven, especially if Matt Judon gets away in free agency. So what they could do is view it like they did last year, which is, hey, we can't replace five guys in our front seven and find the next Terrell Suggs for us. 
but we're pretty good. In fact, we're great at cornerback. Let's get tremendous there and feel like we can play one-on-one coverage anywhere, and we'll let Wink Martindale, our defensive coordinator, he'll come up with the blitzes to make those Mm -hmm. guys productive in the front seven. That was the approach last year. It worked out perfectly for them. I would imagine they'll want to go that way again. So they have Peters locked up. Marlon Humphrey is on his rookie deal steal, and he's one of those guys you'll, you're not going to let him out of the building. He's a re-signed, absolute stud star type of guy. They invested in Earl Thomas. They just We talked about they've re-signed Chuck Clark. They clearly have a plan with their secondary. The interesting one to me, Gary, is Brandon Carr for them has always been their number three cornerback. And boy, he'll be 34 when the season kicks off this year. He doesn't play old, though. I mean, he still moves around very well. But what they did last year, they they moved him to safety in their past situations. If they feel really good about that, that may have been part of the reason they were comfortable with Jefferson getting away. Jefferson had been the guy that matched up the tight ends when he was healthy. But that became Brandon Carr last year. So if they're going to have Carr do that again, and they might since they just let Jefferson leave, then they would need Jimmy Smith back because they'd want to have him as that right cornerback. You could still put Marlon Humphrey there, but then you need a slot corner. I would try to keep Jimmy Smith if I can, Gary, because I know my second. I I know my defense will be Ravens esque if we do that. Mm-hmm. If you've got a weak spot in your secondary, though, you can't necessarily play the way Baltimore. You 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 probably can, but it's 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 a gamble. It's a gamble, and I don't know if you want to gamble because your Super Bowl window is right now. By the way, Brandon Carr, one hundred ninety eight consecutive starts now. Uh, including postseason, is that is that that can't still be active? Is that an active it start? Is. He was credited so, right. with sixteen That's, starts last year. So that explains it because there was a game. I, I went back and watched the film on the Rams and Ravens game this year. Uh, mm-hmm. This the other day, I watched it start to finish, and Jimmy Smith came off the bench and I, I, he played ninety eight percent of the snaps. He played every snap but the first one where Brandon Carr played, and I wondered, I couldn't for the life of me understand why that was, and I think you just explained it right now. Yeah, I'm I'm bringing up the uh, the final snap counts for the. Uh... For the Ravens right here for their defense this year uh, among defensive. Uh, Brandon Carr was still third in snaps. He still played 763 snaps. So it wasn't wow. uh, It wasn't quite ceremonial. Um, so, yeah. His his snap, well, because he can play in all their packages. Yep. But he is, what he is now for them. And remember, Baltimore, they also, Chuck Clark, the guy we're talking about, he often played a de facto linebacker position for him when mm-hmm. Carr was on the field. So, yeah, there's a spot for Carr He's not an every-down starting player in the NFL anymore, per se. I know his snap numbers are high, but my guess is they're much lower once they traded for Peters and made some adjustments there. Um, But he's he's a quality NFL, and he's a starting caliber player for sure. He's a quality player without question. Yeah. Uh, Kenyon Drake... Uh, we, I mean, look, he, he, we knew he was talented in Miami. He seemed to have something of a breakout uh, in Arizona. Is is this a foundational back, or or is he kind of the same guy he was in Miami who just sort of uh, you know hit, hit a hot streak here late in the year? Well, yeah, that's what he was. But in Miami, he was a really good player. He was a tremendous player for them. So I understand why they are high on him. And by the way, I'm looking up Brandon Carr now. He was at about 60, 45 to 65% of the snaps in the second half of the season for the most part. Overall, mm-hmm. Baltimore rotated a lot there, and they had some guys in and out of the lineup. But uh, Drake, I, I totally understand what Arizona sees here. I imagine they want him back. They 
paid a tough lesson with the David Johnson contract once. Is that a fool me once kind of thing in Steve Kimes' mind, their general manager? Or are they willing to do what it takes there? And I, that'll be interesting to see. I bet they want, I bet they'll be a little bit aggressive going after Drake, though. Uh, I wonder if they just tag him and just, just go on from there. What's the franchise um, tag cost for a back this year? Do you have an idea? Pro- probably not very much. I, I don't have the numbers up, but. Uh, uh, it's never very much for the backs. They don't. Uh, they don't make that much. I'll. I'll look it up as as you share some thoughts on uh, Vic Beasley. He of the former uh, sack champion of the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Fal- Falcons are are moving on from him, and uh, I don't know. I, what kind of scheme does he fit in at this point? And I mean, is he more than just sort of a? Uh, I mean, a, a rotational edge guy. I think he's a rotational edge guy with explosive pass rushing traits, and you don't know if you're going to necessarily get the productivity out of that from week to week, which is why Atlanta was comfortable moving on because Atlanta plays a straight, not a it's, it's a pretty straightforward Seahawks style scheme, so they're reliant on their four man rush. Would be interesting to me is how would Big Beasley play in a hybrid type system, even though he that's not what you would think or associate with him. But if he were in Baltimore's system, for example, and he could move around and be a miscellaneous type of blitzer and just be a raw edge guy, that'd be interesting to see. He's in, he's a passing down player only in that case, and that's really what he was in Atlanta anyway. That's where he'd be the best fit. Now, I don't know if that's where he'd make the most money as a free agent, but if we're just talking pure football, I would be interested. I don't know if that's where he'd be the best fit. It'd be the most interesting fit because we know what he is already in a straightforward scheme. Could you capture lightning in a bottle using him as a hybrid pass rushing weapon? Uh, and by the way, overthecap.com estimates the running back franchise tag will be $12.474 million. Yeah, see, that's for, that's uh, not uh, that's a decently high number. I mean, relative to other franchise tags, it's it's not super expensive, but that's very expensive relative to what the running back position costs because the franchise tags based on the top salaries in the NFL. And mm-hmm. yeah, running backs don't get paid a whole lot, but the ones who do, they there are a handful. It's a top-heavy position. Look at yeah. Ezekiel Elliott's contract, for example. So that's what makes it interesting is a franchise tag for a running back might cost a little bit more relative to a median or average contract at that position than it would versus another position. But then you don't have to worry about the uh, the long-term commitment, obviously. If, no, uh, that's if, fair. If the guy takes that, but... Arizona has $52 million in cap space. It's about uh, top, barely top 10 in the NFL, so they're fine there. Kyler Murray's on his rookie deal. And the way you could reason it, if you did want to pay a little extra to, to Drake, is, well, we're just paying for an insurance policy. Instead of gambling for a long-term deal, we're going we're gonna to pay a premium on a short-term contract. It's an insurance deal. Jimmy Ward. Uh he seems like he's most valuable to the 49ers than anyone else. I, I don't know if he's the kind of guy that someone poaches. Um, and considering the 49ers do have some money to spend this offseason, uh, I, I wonder if he's a guy who really has has a significant chance to get away. He might. The Niners don't have a ton of money, and I would imagine as, as much as they probably like Jimmy Ward, Eric Armstead will be the guy they look at first. Now, Armstead yeah. might cost more than Ward, though, so that factors in as well. But um, there's not a ton of secondary depth in San Francisco is one concern. The other concern is Ward's value is that he can play slot corner and he can play safety, free safety mainly. 
you'd think that wouldn't be as valuable in San Francisco's scheme because it's a straightforward Seahawks-style scheme, but they, under Robert Sala, they would, they're one of the few teams that will show man coverage and play zone out of it, and Jimmy Ward's the reason they're able to do that. So without flexibility in that regard, they could have a domino effect there. So I imagine Robert Sala really wants Jimmy Ward back, or if not Ward, he wants someone like him. Ward could also, in that sense, because of that, and Baltimore would not sign him, but since we've got our minds around it, that Raven-style scheme where it's matchup coverage and there's blitzes and there's disguises, he would fit in that. Some His versatility inside as a free safety or a slot corner, that's where he's valuable. And uh, lastly, I, I, I'm going to lump these two together somewhat uh, somewhat lazily at this point. But uh, uh, the two tight ends, uh, top guys available, uh, Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper. We've, we've talked over the years about how, you know, tight ends have a lot of value in some offenses. Uh, some offenses just don't, uh, don't know how to use them as effectively. But um, do, you, do you invest in either of these guys as more than sort of like complementary pieces in your offense, uh, I, I guess the question with Henry is is the uh, durability, but uh, um, you know both coming off uh, really nice years. Yeah, if healthy, Henry to me would be the priority of those two, but they're both excellent plug and play type of guys for you. They're they're both more traditional tight ends and hybrid flexible tight ends, but you can line them up anywhere, so they can still serve the hybrid flexible purpose. They're just not going to be. George Kittle or, or certainly what Jordan Reed was a few years ago. They're not going to be that kind of tight end, but they can be highly effective. They're top upper one third of the NFL type tight ends. So it's going to depend on the team and the system, like you said. All right. Andy, we thank you once again for joining us. Uh, I, I guess once again, this is this is just goodbye for now. Hope to uh, talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you, Gary. All right, the MMQB Monday Morning Podcast is me, Gary Gramling. Special thanks once again to Andy Benoit for joining me for this one. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave us a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. 
So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 